Hello, and welcome to Tried and True, the Assay Podcast. I'm your host, Paul Zakshevsky. We're a new co-production from Assay Journal of Nonfiction Studies and the Missouri Audio Project. Assay Journal aims to bring new and underrepresented voices from the Academy and beyond. Today, we're talking with the writers Francisco Cantu and Reina Grande. The two authors began their journeys on opposite sides of the U.S.-Mexico border. Reina arrived in the U.S. as an undocumented immigrant at age nine. Her experiences before, during, and after that border crossing are the subject of two memoirs, including the bestseller, The Distance Between Us. She's also the award-winning author of two novels. Francisco worked as a U.S. Border Patrol agent from 2008 to 2012. He's the recipient of both the Fulbright and Whiting Award and the author of The Line Becomes a River. These days, the pair, who are friends and speak together in public often, find themselves writing from and about some very similar places. Our conversation took place at the 2018 Nonfiction Now Conference in Phoenix, Arizona. We are deeply grateful to the organizers for their help in making this podcast possible. I started my interview with Francisco and Reina by asking each to share a very short section of work. Every weekday at the federal courthouse in Tucson, Arizona, undocumented migrants are gathered in a courtroom and made to face the judge's pulpit like shackled parishioners. Using a stopwatch, I time the proceedings. In less than four minutes, each group of five is convicted and sentenced to prison terms of up to 180 days. All in all, the court can adjudicate as many as 75 cases in as little as an hour and a half. I notice when a man from Honduras refuses the black headset that relays the Spanish translation from the court interpreter. He has three children born in the United States, his lawyer explains. He has made his life in this country. The man answers the judge in confident English, as if to assert, I belong here. Now more than ever, I am determined to write and encourage others to write stories that celebrate the resilience and tenacity of the millions of immigrants in the U.S. who fight every day for their dreams, for their right to remain, for their stories to matter. I hope that by telling our stories, we will help make the U.S. a place where we value our commonalities and respect our differences, where we celebrate the diversity that makes this country strong and unique, where every one of us, regardless of where we come from, knows that we belong and that we are enough. Francisco, Reina, welcome to the podcast. It's great to have you here. Reina, I thought we could kick things off with you first. Um, Can you tell us a bit more about your background? I'm really curious as to what led you to write about border crossings of all kinds. My background where um, I am originally from Iguala, Guerrero, and Guerrero is the second poorest state in Mexico, and I was born into a very poor family. And when I was two, my father came to the U.S. to look for work. And then my mother followed him. So by the time I was five, both of my parents were here in the U.S. And me and my siblings were in Mexico growing up without our parents. It was a very long separation, very traumatic separation. 
but I'm grateful that my father came back for us and he hired a smuggler to take us across the border. And we ended up coming to live with him in Los Angeles. So I began a new life, but a very traumatic life too, you know, coming to this country as an undocumented child immigrant. I was definitely in um, for more border crossings. And Francisco, what led you to become a U.S. Border Patrol officer? Okay. Um, so I grew up in Arizona. Uh, my mother was a, a park ranger. Um, she's the daughter of, of a Mexican immigrant um, who uh, my, my grandfather crossed the border, uh, you know, during the Mexican Revolution. But I, I had a very, I think, kind of uh, typical American upbringing, except maybe in national parks. Um, and um, I, I studied immigration and border issues kind of from an academic perspective uh, as an undergrad. Um, and then um, I decided to join the Border Patrol as a way to sort of um, continue my academic interest in the border. But um, I, I saw it as a way to sort of be on the ground. And I had this sort of like naive idea that I could observe, um, you know, all of these uh, mechanisms and structures of power, um, you know, without participating in it. But of course, that's not how uh, things work, as I unfortunately didn't understand as a young, freshly graduated undergraduate. So, so um, um, my first book, um, which is my only book, is really about that experience of uh, w what it meant to work as a Border Patrol agent, um, about leaving that work behind um, and about coming to terms with uh, the violence of that work. So it's interesting, you know, one big idea that we have, I think, in bringing the two of you together is um, from the outside, it appears that you guys started your journeys kind of on opposite ends of the border, I mean, quite literally. Um, I guess uh, I'm, I'm wondering, um, does that sound like an oversimplification? Does that, um, does that resonate at all for either of you? Well, yeah, I mean, I guess if you just looked at our backgrounds, you would say with Reina was a border crosser and Baco was a border patrol agent who was trying to keep families like mine, right, from crossing. But I think there's more nuance to that and there's more meaning to the experiences because um, I feel that we both write to understand and we both write to create bridges between us and to really try to give meaning to these experiences that we've had. So I feel very connected to Paco in that experience as, as the way that we have turned to writing as a way to try to understand and to come to terms with our actions and with our our upbringings and to also try to make connections with our society and to speak up too against the injustices that we're seeing happening. Yeah, and I, I think that's a, um, a really beautiful answer and I couldn't have said it any better myself. Reina and I, we get, we, we've, we've done events together in the past um, and I think maybe because of that, um, you know, pretty easy to understand this person comes from this side of things and this person comes from the other side of things. Um, but, you know, I think one other thing that maybe uh, unites our work as, as writers is that I think we both, um, you know, we've, we've both observed all of these um, large 
like socioeconomic or like institutional structures sort of place us um, and, and place people that we care about. Um, and, and we've seen or moved through those structures um, in ways that, you know, at the time um, were sort of m mysterious or we're just, you know, sort of like a lot of people propelled through experiences and, and institutions. Um, and I think that that's one of the beautiful things about writing is that, as Reina said, you know, you get to look back um, and you get to make sense of like, what did it mean to um, be thrust through this or to be thrust into this or to ha be saddled with this narrative um, or to be participating um, in, in one structure or another. You know, Reina, when I was reading your memoir, one thing that really struck me is um, that you write a lot about the kind of the physical, the emotional, uh, spiritual um, toll of being an undocumented immigrant, not just the actual crossing, but kind of for years later. Um, and I, I guess I wondered if you could talk a bit about kind of, um, you know, I feel like there's kind of a simplified notion of, of um, immigration, like it's just about that one crossing. And I feel like your work is really all about the kind of the, the longevity of right. that experience. I wonder if you could talk about that a bit. Yeah, I want to have a t-shirt that says, once a border crosser, always a border crosser. <laughs> Because that has that really defines my experiences, you know. When I crossed the border at nine years old, and we managed to get past border patrol on a third attempt, I thought, "This is it. I'm done with border crossings." And then, of course, I get here and I realize, "Oh, there's so many more I need need to overcome." You know, the language was a a, a border, and the culture was a border. And there were so many other things, uh, legal borders too, because we were undocumented. So through through the years, I've had to overcome many different borders. But one thing that taught me when I crossed the border at nine and a half was that it, it takes a good smuggler to help you. And And through the years, I've had many smugglers. You know, I have had the good fortune of finding people um, teachers, especially, who have helped me get across those borders that I've had to overcome. And I'm very grateful about that because I know that it has made such a huge difference in my life to have the support of other people that have helped me overcome and to get to where I am today. So, Francisco, when I read The Line Becomes a River, I kept thinking about George Orwell, uh, specifically that essay of his, Shooting an Elephant, uh, where he gets this frightening close-up look at how colonialism works, um, thanks to this lowly position of his in Burma. So similarly, I, I wondered what you made of U.S. border policy, uh, thanks to your position as a foot soldier right there on the front lines. Yeah, that's a good question. And, and there's something about um, the, the task of being sent out into this landscape you know, day after day. And I remember as I, I was listening to Raina talk, I was remembering um, sort of the, the experience of, of reading um, her memoir, The Distance Between Us. And um, I think from with, with my background and, and my experience, I was sort of, um, you know, I was, I was looking for the, the moment when Raina crossed the border. Um, and, and I remember when I got to it, it was, um, well, there was, you know, a few 
attempts, but it was like very short, a few very short chapters. And, and I think that um, a lot of times in, you know, our dominant narrative, like we're fixated and also with like media, right? Like we're fixated on this crossing as like the plot of, of the like struggle of the border. Um, but it's, it's, it's really, um, it's like this brief moment in time and, and we don't understand the ways that it continues to like ripple through people's lives. And so it was strange to be um, like part of that moment in time, like every, every day, right? Like the people that you're encountering are experiencing, um, I mean, you're, you're really encountering people at, at, at one of the most vulnerable points in their life. Um, and 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 to and to do it like day after day, um, and to sort of become attuned to like all the all the ways that you are simultaneously becoming numb to it, but also like realizing more about it and and not wanting um, to become numb to it. I think. Yeah, I actually made it uh, made it a point to keep the border crossing short. Like it's just one chapter. And it was because I do feel that a lot of times we focus so much on that border crossing. But to me, like one of the things I really wanted to do in my memoir was to show what happens before the border crossing. So half of the book takes place before the crossing. And then I wanted to show what happens after the border crossing and the consequences of it. So I see, I see it as, you know, my, my life before and after crossing the border. And that's really what I wanted to capture because a lot of times I feel that when we talk about immigrants and the border crossing, it's as if the trauma began at the border crossing and it's like, no, the trauma begins before you even set foot on that border. So I wanted to really show like why we even were at the border in the first place, you know, like what, dro what drove us mm -hmm. to, to be there and, and to attempt that crossing. And that was important to me because I have read a lot of books on immigration and it's always about the journey, you know, the journey to the border, crossing the border. And it's like, yeah, that's important, but let's also talk about all these traumatic moments before that border crossing even happened. Francisco, what, what else do you think gets lost in kind of the discussion that happens around immigration and borders now? You know, um, again, like listening to, to Reina talk, I think uh, thinking about my own um, experience and, and conception of things, you know, I, re I remember leaving the Border Patrol and then being very preoccupied with um, trying to make some sort of sense of, of of that experience and of what I had participated in. And then um, I had the experience of, um, you know, becoming friends with someone who was undocumented, which I didn't know at the time. And then, and then, um, you know, all of a sudden they, um, you know, they, they left Mexico and they were unable, they left to Mexico and they were unable to come back. And um, I became close with that person's family. And I think what I then saw, of course, was, you know, looking, behind the curtain um, to see all of the things that have, you know, basically like the deportation industrial complex and like what it means to be caught up in that and what it means for someone's family. Because I think we, we so often talk about like the border crossers or the border crossing, but what was um, amazing to me was to see that man's children who had, who were American citizens who were born here and had never crossed a border, right? 
um, but the the border um, was thrust into their lives right when their father was deported um, and and when and when you know so like the border and it wouldn't have mattered if they lived you know in Tucson or in Iowa right like the border would have been thrust would there therefore be thrust into your life without you having to do really anything to do with it and so I think like that speaks to sort of the power of the borders that we've constructed over people, right, that we don't really talk a lot about. You know, it's interesting when um, the organizers of Nonfiction Now and I were first talking in the summer about doing this panel, obviously the last two years have the work around immigration and borders has just been at this terrible, very high pitch. So it didn't seem possible <laughs> that it would get escalated even more. And yet here we are, just whatever, a few days before the midterm elections, and the issue unbelievably seems ratcheted up even more. Um, I guess I want to ask each of you, what has the experience the last couple of years been like for each of you, or how has that shaped your writing? Well, one interesting thing that happened to me this summer and why I wrote that op-ed was that, well, last year my daughter turned nine, and I was nine when I crossed the border. And it was a very meaningful experience for me to have a nine-year-old daughter because I would look at her all the time and I was so, so shocked at how little I was when I crossed. Like it never really occurred to me until I saw my own nine-year-old daughter and I thought, wow, like I just can't imagine what my father must have gone through and what he must have felt um, taking his little girl to the border like that. And it really broke my heart, you know, to think of my father in that situation. And it was an epiphany for me because I had never really thought of the experience from my father's perspective. It had always been my own, you know, it was always, I was always writing about immigration from my child's perspective and, and talking about my own traumas and, and everything I had gone through. But it wasn't until last year that I began to think more and more about what my father must have felt. And so then this summer when we were hearing about family separations, I thought more about my dad and the families and the parents, you know, that were put in this situation. And then what really enraged me was when Jeff Sessions said, well, if parents don't want their children to be taken from them, they shouldn't bring them along in the first place. And, and it, it, it really infuriated me. And I thought more about my father and how my dad didn't want to bring me. You know, he knew I was little and he didn't want to risk my life. And he was leaning towards just leaving me behind. And I was, I begged my dad to bring me. I begged him and begged him and begged him. And I said, don't leave me. And I finally convinced him to bring me along to the border. So I was there because I begged. And I was thinking about all, how many of those children also begged to not be left behind. So when I wrote that op-ed, it was almost like a love letter to my father. It was me finally acknowledging what he had gone through and what he had to do. And also apologizing to him for, for living in this world that would force parents into making those kinds of decisions.
you asked a question sort of like how have things changed in the, in the last two years and, and how has that sort of um, changed the relationship to what we write about? Um, my book uh, found an editor and was, was sold to the publisher um, before the election and um, it was sold as a complete manuscript so I had, I had finished it in like the um, spring of 2016 and then kind of continued working on edits but the entire time that I was working on my book I imagined that it would become this document of like an uglier time um, and I think that, w that was you know I mentioned before, you know, the naivete that has entered into my life, and I think that was another one of those moments where I think I was sort of naive that we, that, that you know, history is always sort of moving, lurching slowly towards greater justice and equality. Um, and, and then, of course, you know, the, I was editing the book um, right after the, the election, um, and, and it was published, you know, after... Um, you know, Trump had not been in office for that long. And so I think I continued to sort of like hold on to that idea. But, you know, the, 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 the book became something very different and what I, um, you know, talk about and think about became very different because instead of looking backward, right, um, to make sense of this, this like uglier thing, um, it became like looking at how that had just grown. And I think, you know, to talk about the, the, the sort of, op-ed and, and some of the thinking that I've been doing lately, um, you know, especially when family separation was happening, um, you know, for, for a while, like a lot of people, I just didn't want to read that news. And I like avoided, actively like avoided reading the, the, some of the stories and some of the headlines that I saw. Um, and I think, you know, the point that I wanted to make with that headline, or sorry, with the, with the op-ed, um, is that like we really have to understand what's happening now as an extension of what came before it? That like this immigration, the the immigration policies of Trump and and the rhetoric of of the far right, like it's it's not new. Like you can draw a straight line from from where we were and what I saw right in the border patrol to to um, where we have arrived at now. Um, and and I think to also understand that you know the deterrence, the idea of deterrence, um, you know has. Is, is, is the same idea that's behind family separation. You know, like we, we've had our policymakers articulate that, um, well, if you don't want to be separated from your kids, right? Like Raina said, then don't, then don't bring them. If you bring them here, you will be separated. And that's really just um, them trying to yell with a, a megaphone, you know, we're making things here so bad that, that you don't want to come. But that's exactly what we've been doing with walling off our cities and towns beginning in the 1990s. And like, that's why we have people dying in the desert. Um, because we've been slowly funneling people to the hardest, most difficult, most deadly um, parts of our terrain. And so I think, um, I think like harnessing some of the outrage that, that we feel right now and like maintaining it and, and, and also like using it to look backward, right? Um, to understand how we got here. Um, I wanna thank both of you for making time to talk to me today. Thanks, Francisco. Thanks, Reina. Thank you. It was an honor. Thank you, Reina. Thank you, Paul. You've been listening to Tried and True. I'm Paul Zakshevsky. Tried and True is a co-production from Assay, a journal of nonfiction studies, and the Missouri Audio Project. 
To find out more about Assay, visit assayjournal.com or follow us on Twitter and Facebook. See you next time. An MAP production based in Columbia, Missouri, supported by KBIA.